Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. That's right, that's right. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. Nick Wagner is still traveling back from uh, the Battle of Pennsylvania, so I have asked Martin Brooks to join us today, otherwise known as the Fantasy Typhoon. What's up, Martin? What's going on? What's going on? I appreciate it. I appreciate it, uh, uh, Joshua. Uh, you extended the opportunity for me to uh, come and talk fantasy football with you. Um, folks, you can just Google a being the fantasy typhoon and hit enter, and that's my whole page. If you want to follow and interact with me, uh, the website is fantasyfootball1on1.com. So make sure you swing by and check out uh, some things that we have going on. And, and thank you so much once again, uh, Joshua. I really, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy to have a, a fanatic aboard as yourself. And if you click on Martin's name here in the podcast right up later today, you can go right to his Twitter page and give him a follow. We, we would all appreciate it. So make sure you check that out. Um, well, first off, Martin, well, guess what, what, are, what are your thoughts about the, the week that was week three? What, anything stand out to you at all? Martin, are you there? I think we lost Martin here. One second here. All right. He, I'm sure he will call back in one second. Uh, a couple of things that st- stood out to me, you know, obviously it's starting with uh, Thursday night. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick certainly knows what he's doing. Uh, he's got he's got things going in his his direction there. Um, and uh, he, he used Jacoby Brissett to his strengths. I think they set a game plan around his strengths, and uh, and uh, they did they did uh, they did what they could, obviously, in, in the twenty-seven to nothing uh, defeat of the Houston Texans. Uh, pretty pretty impressive victory by them, for sure. Um, and like I said, Belichick just had his his boy ready. You know, they, he hurt the thumb at some point during the second half. They were able to mask that and whatnot, and and just do what he needed to do to be successful. And that that was that was absolutely huge. Uh, obviously, very happy with uh, uh, my Raiders getting the victory um, on on Sunday. Didn't uh, it wasn't a crazy crazy great effort, but they uh, they uh, certainly uh, had a hard fought victory there against Tennessee and and. Uh, ultimately prevailed. Their offense could have put up some more points, but let me patch Martin back through here. Martin, are you there? Yes, yes, Tapu, when I'm here, yes. Okay. I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. Sorry. I just got, got disconnected, but uh, I'm on a landline now, so hopefully that won't happen again. I guess okay. Skype, you know, uh, sorry, yeah, has some sorry. kind of technical difficulties. Yeah, Skype and Blog Talk are usually not the best combination. Sometimes, sometimes they're fine, but every now and then they just kind of have their bad days. So, uh, what what stood out to you, Martin, or excuse me, Typhoon, as the uh, we watched the Week Three games? Oh, the Week Three games: Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott. Man, these two rookie running backs. I mean, these two rookie quarterbacks are just both of them are look just so comfortable in the pocket. You know. 
they have command of the offense as rookies. They, both of those both of those guys are looking like seasoned veterans at this point of this, at this point of the game. Now, I, I'm not saying you know they're going to be Hall of Famers or, or this or this and that. I'm just saying at this stage, you know, three weeks in, these guys are looking good. You know, they're making their progressions. Their head is moving. Um, sometimes they've been coming coming off the, the first, second read to the third read, and then come back to the tight end. So uh, it, it's it's a little bit more than what you expect from a rookie. Um, so um, that really stood out to me. Um, the Minnesota defense. <laughs> oh my God, the the purple people eaters. You know these guys are yeah. really getting it done. And and uh, uh, Joshua. I might trade Julio Jones for for the Minnesota defense right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they oh, are yeah. leading. They are leading all players in fantasy, all quarterbacks, all running backs, all tight ends, everything. Minnesota defense is number one as far as fantasy points. Yeah. That's insane. So uh, that yeah. really stuck out to me. And uh, another thing that I witnessed. Um, the Cody uh, Kessler era, when they get Josh Gordon back, put him over at the X, then you got Terrell Pryor over at the Z, then you got Corey Coleman, you put him in the slot or the W, now you got, that offense just got scary. And then you got Hugh Jackson meshing it all together. Now, it might, it might not all come together this year, but man, that if, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, that offense, that offense has some weapons. Two, two, six, three, six, four towers on the ends, and, and what four, four speed. Man, that that offense has something there. Uh, so that's what really stuck out to me um, uh, this uh, this past week, week three. Yeah, we're seeing a lot from those rookie quarterbacks. Um, I. Obviously, Kessler, you know, he still had some 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 issues and some mistakes there too. But do mm-hmm. you think? Yeah, absolutely. It, do you think as as the season progresses and we see him mature, do you think Cleveland does not draft a quarterback next year? Uh they're they're going to be up front, and that all that all depends on who's coming out, you know, and who's eligible and who's there. If you know, it looks like they're going to be. Fifth, no later than fifth. Let's just go ahead and call it what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, if there's somebody there, yeah, they're going to take it. I would. You know, it's competition. This is a competition mm-hmm. league. You know, it's, it's, yeah. I would rather take a shot on another guy, making sure I get that guy. Because, you know, Cleveland has, oh, man, they have just had so much bad luck at the quarterback position over over the past years, man. So, the, office, the the pieces are there. The pieces are there, though. So, yes, to answer your question, Joshua, yes, I would take another quarterback. Absolutely. Well, and you look at, you know, Josh Josh McCown's about 50 years old, and Robert Griffin is apparently made of paper mache. So, yeah, they need they need some depth at the very least. Mm-hmm. So, um, Let's move into a little dynasty trade analysis there. Uh this is a a, tr- a trade that I pulled off. Um, I think, yeah, last week right after the right after the podcast, we uh, DFW sixteen. Obviously, uh, it is what it says it is. It's a sixteen team league, so 
Uh, we only start one quarterback, but it's it's pretty important to have two starting quarterbacks on your roster. And go, going into this week, I obviously I got a little bit more from Trevor Simeon than I expected, but uh, I ended mm-hmm. up trading Colin Kaepernick. 2017 fourth, 2017 fifth, and a 2018 second. All of that just for Kirk Cousins. What are your thoughts there? Oh my God! You need you need to be uh, you need to be uh, what 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 they say you need to be stopped and frisked. <laughs> That's highway <laughs> robbery right there. Oh man, Colin Kaepernick. Who knows? Who knows if he's ever going to see the field? But I mean, Blaine Gabbert isn't really doing, um, you know, what they really expected him to do. So he, Colin Kaepernick, will get an opportunity. I think he's heard of something mm-hmm. right now. That's the reason why he's not on the field yet. So I mean, it's not like you know, you just uh, traded away somebody who won't see the field. So he will see the field, but uh, fourth. What did you say? A fourth, a fifth, and a sec, a eighteen second. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yep. God! How you 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 won that by a landslide. <laughs> Let me just say that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, you know, it's just it's a it's a it's a hard call because you really need to have quarterbacks in there. So it's 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 a pretty close one, I think. It, it's maybe closer than people think, but when you consider the 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 importance of quarterbacks in this league, it's, it's pretty important. Um, obviously, well, this, this I th- yeah, this one happened after Amir went down. Um, so uh, Amir Abdullah, Austin Hooper uh, for Jordan Reed and Jonathan Stewart. What, do, what are your thoughts there? Mm, let's see. Now, a lot of folks are, you know, worried about the concussion history on Jordan Reed and the injury history on Jonathan Stewart. Um, well, the, Amir Abdullah is starting to uh, get a little paperwork in his file, too, as far as injury. Um, anything, me, myself, I like talent. You know, give me the guy who's the most talented. Jordan Reed and Jonathan Stewart are two talented backs. Now, I know Jordan, I mean, Jonathan Stewart might be a little bit older than what folks really want, but that's a traditional pro set offense. So they're going to run the ball. So give me the running back in the offense that is uh, catered to the run. Now, I know Cam will butcher some TDs from him here and there, uh, even Tolbert as well. That's understandable. But uh, even before the injury of Amir Abdullah, um, Jordan Reed and the Jonathan Stewart side uh, by, by quite a margin there. Now, Austin Hooper, he's coming along pretty good. So you still have to wait on him. I would say about 2017 is when he would really start making a difference. So he's right now he's stuck behind Tammy, but he, there is some there is something there though. There is something there. So Jordan Reed and the Johnson Stewart side, but by, by, by pretty by pretty uh, big margin. Yeah, and I, I like Hooper Chewy there as well, and you know we're looking at a couple injured running backs for each other. And, and Amir is a little bit younger. So I, I, I kind of get both sides here, especially in dynasty. Um, but uh, that's, and I think, but that also seems to it, trade an injured running back, even though it is a young guy like Amir Abdullah and Austin Hooper to get even just a Jordan Reed back. I think that's a pretty nice, pretty nice. Yeah. And granted you are Apply. playing with fire, like you said, with that concussion history, but they, it's, I think it's a pretty fair trade. Um, and moving yeah, forward. Yeah. I mean, Okay, go ahead. Oh, no, go finish your thought. 
Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, I'm looking at it talent-wise. Now, I don't know if he's going to get Jordan Reed is going to get hurt or not, but as far as the talent-wise, you have to have that man on your roster. And then what you do, you prepare for him being injured by backing him up with another tight end option. So, yeah, I, I, Jordan mm-hmm. Reed, absolutely. Yeah, and it might might be a stopgap, and I, I really don't even like this player, but Vernon Davis is on their roster now, and he's actually looked okay at this point in time during the season. He's certainly somebody that's probably available uh, in a lot of leagues, so if you need to back, back a guy like Jordan Reed up, that's probably not a bad thing, and I can't believe I just suggested people pick up Vernon Davis considering <laughs> his age and how much I don't like him, but uh, it's not, not a bad thing. Oh, what do you think about Melvin think- Gordon and Sammy Coat? Go ahead. No, I think you said uh, Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed owners go uh, pick up. Well, not pick him up. Just have him on your watch list. Uh, have him on speed yeah. dial. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, thoughts on Melvin Gordon and Sammy Cooks for uh, mid two thousand seventeen first and Michael Floyd. Ah, that's a pretty good one there. Floyd for Coates. Well, let's see. Let's break this down. Let's see. Melvin Gordon for the mid first, and then Coates and for Floyd. Pretty much is how that one's working out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing from Gordon now. Um, it's only a matter of time before Woodhead is removed from the situation. They drafted him high to carry the mail. Mm-hmm. Um, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, so. He's getting ready to prove that on film, that he can do that. Um, Michael Floyd, um, I've been waiting for him to actually, you know, come in and take over. He did pretty good last year, and I was hoping for him to build on his resume from last season, and I really haven't seen that. He's uh, kind of been a disappointment. I know we're just three three weeks in, but, you know, Michael Floyd was the first-round pick, so you really would like to see a little bit more from him. So, um, give me the Melvin Gordon, Sammy Coates side because uh, I, I don't know what's happening with this 2017 first. So get, give me the Melvin Gordon, Sammy Coates side, and then I'll trade Sammy Coates. All right, yeah, yeah. I'm not a, not a huge Coates fan, but and I, I agree with you there. I, I don't like throwing first round 2017 out there yet. Uh, because I did trade one in one league and I'm regretting it ever since. Because that class looks to be oh, really? pretty, pretty nice. So that that that's going to be the kicker in terms of who you get with that 2017 first. I think in this trade. Uh, what do you think about DeAndre Hopkins for Will Fuller, Willie Sneed, and a 2017 third? 2017 third, Will Fuller and Sneed. Sneed is balling right now. Um. This is what I do here, Josh. I would, before, if this trade hit my inbox, right, so I'm sitting there looking at it and all I have to do is accept, I would shoot an email over to the to the Mike Evans owner or something like that and, and see if I could take the fuller, if, if I was on the DeAndre Hopkins side, and and I and I see Will Will Fuller coming in. I would see if if the Mike Evans owner would take Will Fuller, Sneed, and the third, or maybe I could add something to that and get Mike Evans before I accepted it. You see what I'm trying to say? 
So I would mm-hmm. I would do a little recon before I took it. Um, now if I found yeah. a good if I if I found a way to switch Will Fuller and Sneed over into Mike Evans, then I would take it. But if not, I would go ahead and stick with uh DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean it People think DeAndre is going to take a step back because of Will Fuller, and I hear that he's going to have less targets, but he's still he's still the number one, the go-to guy in that offense. So we 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 know what Fuller is, and we know that he can be contained too. I think you're going to see some ups and downs with him. So if you have the ability to trade high like this owner's trying to do, that's that's not a bad move there. Willie Sneed did miss Monday night with the toe. Uh, that could be a weird lingering issue there. So uh, yeah, you're pretty pretty safe here to stick with. Uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Hopkins there. Um, so we we just I asked you to to have have some John speaking of Arizona wide receivers that have been struggling. Some John John Brown now is ready for me, Martin. So this is an F, this is a segment that we called for or against. So uh, mm-hmm. basically how this goes is uh, Martin has or excuse me Typhoon has the the four side. I'm going to have the against side. We each come with five talking points. So we'll go back and forth. You're going to start since you have the foresight. So give me your first point, and then I'll hit you with, with my first point, and we'll just go back and forth like that. All right, so what do you got for us on John Brown? John Brown. Now, he's a little smaller guy than what I really want, but when you look at that offense, it's a lot of verticals, vertical routes. Right, it was a lot of deep shots. They take those. Bruce Arians has, has given Carlson Palmer the green light to throw the deep shot. So he, he's going to be utilized. Second thing, he will always face single coverage. Well, not always, but mostly he's going to face single coverage because, you know, uh, you got Fitzgerald and then you got uh, Floyd, um, both man and coverage. So not only is he going to see single coverage, he's going to see like your third and fourth uh, defensive back. So, um, John Brown can do, let's see, four catches for, what, 102 and a touchdown easily because a lot of his catches are going to be deep balls. Now, I'm what I'm seeing, what I saw a little bit at the end of the season last year, he started running the underneath routes as well. So he started adding to his resume. So that's what I like about John Brown going forward. Okay. Well, I, I am a little concerned that he's been under concussion protocol most of the preseason, and that's obviously there's been some lingering effects here in early on in the season there, as as we've seen kind of – and we've kind of seen that Arizona offense struggle to find any kind of consistency. You know, they just – they get their – they get beat by New England at home, come back and trounce Tampa, and then go to Buffalo and just not look very good there. So maybe that's more of their offense, but I, I – the concussion protocol does does always scare me, especially with a little guy like that who who could who can has the ability or not the ability, but just maybe puts himself out there a little bit more to take some big hits there. What what was your next point there? Now also, at the end of last year, also John Brown started moving to the outside as well as the slot. So he wasn't just you know reduced the slot duties. So he was also doing uh, outside work. Um, which was reducing uh, Floyd. So as we see now, Floyd has hit a uh, plateau or something, you know, 
three weeks into the season, Florida's not showing up what you really want to see, which now gives John Brown the opportunity to jump Floyd. So now when um, – I think this is Fitzgerald's last year. So now John Brown could actually be the number one wide receiver uh, in 2017 for the Cardinals. Mm. Well, I I don't know. I can I can't really imagine. I think Fitzgerald does have what? I think Fitzgerald has one more year essentially under contract after this one. But I can't imagine after Larry retires that this this or you know which could be this year that Arizona will not try to lock up Floyd because Floyd is on the last year of his contract. He is the taller receiver, and I think John Brown's always going to be relegated to that uh, that spot or sec- a secondary option. In the, in the secondary wide receiver option, I should say, in that offense there. So what do you have next there? Well, like I said, see, I, I like his usage. You know, he he he, uh, he gets a lot of targets too. And like I said, he gets a lot of deep shots. So he all he needs is about four four good catches. He can have you 100, 100 yards and a touchdown because, you know, those deep shots are going to automatically lead to a touchdown. So he, he could be very, uh, very valuable for you. Well, like you said to start, the dude is, what, 5'5"? Five, five? Maybe he's 5'7". Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I, told, I totally, you know, respect him for what he is, but I, don't, I just don't know if he's going to be like a top 20 wide receiver ever. Now, I, and I'm not, I'm not a size, I'm not a size because, but the, but the guy is really just, he's just too small, right? <laughs> yeah, he is a little small. He is a little on the small side. What else you got for me? Uh, let's see. Well, as long as Bruce Bruce Arians is there and as long as Palmer is there, that's going to be a lot of opportunity for, for Brown. Like I said, he's starting to branch out, not only taking slot duties, he's also taking outside work. So now they're moving uh, Fitzgerald into the slot. So now, so now Brown is learning all three uh, wide receiver positions, which is always good. And once he learns how to do the comeback and the uh, back shoulder fade, he, he's ready to rock and roll. He's ready. He, he's ready to be uh, uh, top. I would say top twenty-five ish as his. Uh, as his uh, floor. Okay, that's that's good recon on the, him moving to the outside. Uh, appreciate that knowledge. Uh, I do feel like the quarterback situation might actually be lacking. I know Palmer's very good at what he does, um, but he's I think he's shown a little age so far this season, and I think that we've also seen this offense been challenged by other defenses, and they certainly haven't responded so far. And I think we don't know who their quarterback of the future is. They keep trying to draft somebody, but they're not spending huge draft capital on them. So that that concerns me as far as uh, as far as Brown, because I don't think he's he's also hasn't shown the ability to be QB proof so far, at least this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that, that offense do, uh, does look a mess right now. Anything but Fitzgerald. I mean Fitzgerald and uh, DJ. All right. Did you have in, another point there on John Brown, or should we should we move on to sit or start? Yeah, we can move on. That's, uh, 
That's about it. I can't, I can't stick up for John Brown too much more. <laughs> That's all I got for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. good good discussion nonetheless. Um, so we are running short on time, so we'll get to try to get to these as many as we can here. What do you think about the Thursday night matchup? Ryan Tannehill at Cincinnati or Andy Dalton in the same game here versus Miami? Uh, give me any quarterback against Miami. So I'm taking uh, I'm taking uh, uh, I'm taking uh, Andy Dalton. Cody Kessler almost threw for 300 against. Him. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we we actually refer to Andy Dalton as the Red Rifle here at the podcast. So, um, but uh, I just like saying that. Um, here's the thing: I totally hear what you're saying, and I'm playing Dalton in a couple of leagues because of this this matchup, but. Cincinnati should win this game, right? Nothing's saying that they shouldn't win this game by 10, 15, 10, 13, 14 points. Doesn't that mean Miami's going to have to throw the ball over the second half? So maybe Tannehill has a couple picks that hurts you right away, but maybe he has some of that Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles garbage time. So I I think there's a good argument for both of them. I, I don't own Tannehill, thankfully. I don't own Tannehill anywhere. But I think there's certainly a good argument for both of these guys. And maybe Tannehill's a guy that's down there DFS-wise where you could – Get a, de- a decent uh, price on him too, sir. What do you think about well, Andrew? Hey, Luck hey Josh, well, hold on, hold up, Josh. Hold up, Josh. Yeah. You know what? I changed my mind. Ryan Tannehill, because you're right. That game script is going <laughs> to turn into a Ryan Tannehill uh, all-out affair. They probably won't run the ball. Yeah. They, what they ran the ball against Cleveland? What about twelve times? Twelve or maybe fifteen <laughs> times, something like that. And he threw what about forty-five times? So yeah, I, I, I switch over to Tannehill. I see Cincinnati taking the lead, and and Tannehill now got to chuck the ball down the field. So I I I, I want to uh, retract that. <laughs> All right. Um, what do you think about Andrew Luck? This is the London game. Speaking of Blake Bortles, Andrew Luck versus Jacksonville, or Blake Bortles versus Indy here over over on London. Man, why does Jacksonville always get the London draw? <laughs> they they always get the London game. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, their fans suck. <laughs> man. Oh, man. You think Andrew Luck will come out and take the lead, right? That's what you would think. Yeah. And then Blake Waters is, you know, throws for 348 and three touchdowns trying to catch up. Um, yeah. You know, that, that's Blake's MO. That's what it was all last year. He just was just mm-hmm. like you said, the garbage time QB. Uh, yeah, I would have to go Blake. I'm sorry, I have to go Blake over Andrew Love. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew's down my crease. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me, yeah, give me. I'm starting Blake over uh, Andrew Love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems weird because Luck seems to be like one of those top five kind of elite guys. But I agree with you. I mean, this Colts defense terrible. And Jacksonville, even though they're 0-3, they at least have some weapons on defense that you have to game plan for. You have to know where they're at. You have to know where Telly mm-hmm. Smith is. You got to make sure you got to make sure Jonathan Cyprian isn't killing you on the other side. They've gotten some really mm-hmm. good, really good play out of their defensive line. And, and Jalen Ramsey could be locked up on T.Y. Hilton. That's that's going to be a matchup uh, certainly to watch. So yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't. You never want to bench a guy like Andrew Luck, but, uh, you know, I think he got outscored by a lot of people last week. So he had that late touchdown to help his cause, but there were, he wasn't the best quarterback last week. Um, 
let's let's skip down to a set of running backs. What we talked about the Cincy game earlier. What do you think about? I, I got stuck in this situation last year when I owned in Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard. You, you own both of them. What which one are you going to play in, on this Thursday night game? Oh man, in Dynasty Forty Eight, I got beat upside the head. But one guy started Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman against me, and that oh. Ryan. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! I'm just sitting there looking at the looking at the game. I'm like, and I was up by about what forty points. He erased that by halftime. Oh man, I was like, man. But look, he had he was supposed to start Rashad Jennings. He had Rashad Jennings set to start over Tevin Coleman, but then. He was uh he was inactive, so he put in Jeff Coleman. So you know I just got bombarded by that. So you actually you could start both of them, but um always give me Hill because he's more of that touchdown, the more of that red zone threat. He's had double digit touchdowns ever since he's been in the league. So yeah. I would take uh, Jeremy yeah. Hill over over Geo. Like you say, a PPR, I don't know. You know, Geo can come in and get some work too, but it's Miami. I think they just want to, you know, they could get a lead and kind of want to sit on it, you know, and want to salt, salt yeah. the clock. So, yeah, give me give me Jeremy Hill. Yeah, if, if they're smart, they'll do that, certainly. What are your thoughts here on um, a couple positions against each other. Let's say you're looking at a flex position, and we got uh, – Latavius Murray for the Raiders, who's who's got got in the end zone every game this year, or Jeremy Macklin at Pittsburgh. So it's excuse me, Murray Murray at Baltimore and Macklin at Pittsburgh. What are your thoughts there? Mm, that's a good one. Murray at Baltimore, Macklin at Pittsburgh. Give me Macklin. Give me Macklin because uh, Pittsburgh just came off. Pittsburgh just got beat down. So I know Tomlin is hot. Now you got Le'Veon Bell coming back. This is a, a revenge game to show the world, hey, Steelers are still the best. They're at home. So this is going to be a lot of garbage time for Macklin because the Steelers are going to come out angry in this one. So, yeah, give give me Macklin. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there, especially since we've – We've seen uh, the Oakland Raiders run all three of their running backs in every single game. So, uh, obviously, Murray is not going to score a touchdown every game this season, and this might and this might be the first one. I kind of see this maybe being a low-scoring game. Oakland's defense stepped up and showed a little bit yet uh, last week, and I think we could see certainly see some more more of that this week as well. So, I I, I like I like what they're doing defensively in Baltimore. I don't think they've had a very tough game yet, but they've certainly looked. Looked pretty darn good so far. So, and they I get Kenneth Dixon. Uh, they get Kenneth Dixon this, yeah. this week too, I believe. Uh, he's practicing. We'll see if they get him in the lineup, but uh, he's practicing. Yeah, I, I'm excited about that myself. Good point there. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that is all the time we have for you, Martin. Thank you so much for joining us. It's the Fantasy Typhoon. Like I said, you click on his name on our podcast right up, and you can go follow him on Twitter like I do. Uh, we, we appreciate you stopping by and, and uh, spreading your knowledge. Tell us one, one more time where you can find the what the website is. Uh, the website is fantasyfootball1on1. Dot com and right now what we're doing something new to the site right now we we uh I have uh, a staff member 
is just going through all the games, uh, he through Game Rewind, and we're putting up full, just in case you missed any of the games, we're giving you a full breakdown of what you, of what you missed, uh, who was fantasy worthy and who what who wasn't. So you go forward on your waivers to help you on your waivers as well. Okay. Well, thank you once again for joining us. We appreciate appreciate you, and we'll we'll I'm sure we'll meet up eventually in DFW 48. Yeah, we will. May the best man win. <laughs> thank you so much. All right. Yep. Take care. Thank you, sir. That is, like I said, the the fantasy typhoon, uh, Martin Brooks. Thank you. That was awesome. Uh, we we appreciate. Well, anytime we have a guest come by like that. So, uh, but we got Mr. Dan Burgundy Hines patiently waiting on the phone. So it's passing through. Dan, are you there? I am here in actuality and spirit and everything. It's been a while. Awesome. Well, yeah, it has been a while. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Sorry to keep you a couple minutes there. Uh, got a little long witted there with the, with the typhoon, but we had, we had fun. Yeah. So, um, that's awesome. I, I had no idea uh, Martin, you know, and uh, I mean, you always, you, you have a virtual relationship with people. So even hearing a voice or a name or a, a face occasionally, you know, as we, you know, met up a few times, you and I too, it's just always fun to, you know, squash that mental image you have of somebody, you know, and that was, that was great. Martin's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, yeah, good, good to have him on. We've we've developed a little bit of a rapport since be, me being in DFW 48 this off season. So yeah, it, it, it was always fun to have him on. Um, uh, yeah, Nick is uh, on his way back. He was at the Battle of Pennsylvania last week, uh, so he's still traveling back to Hawaii. So we'll, I'm sure we'll get a full intel on how that how how that massacre went down there from the Philadelphia side from Nick next week. So uh, I asked Burgundy <laughs> to come by because. Yeah, we got this. We got this dynasty to dilemma to uh, to get off the books. So I thought we'd go a couple of marquee wide receivers. I guess it depends on who what you think of the guys. But today we're gonna do Mike Evans versus Amari Cooper. What, what chose Evans? Uh, you really didn't care either way, but ultimately you chose Evans. So I feel that's kind of probably where you would go if we were doing a startup and that was that was questioned before you. So why don't, why don't you give us what you got going down there for Mike Evans? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, this one is um, – this one's a razor-thin, you know, kind of argument either way, and I bounced back and forth between them while we were kind of talking because I, I love Cooper so much. I mean, he was so polished coming out, and I love – a pure polished wide receiver. I mean, there's just something really beautiful about it. I mean, you know, take Tyler Lockett up in Seattle, you know, we both loved him coming out. I was infatuated with him and just felt from a technical aspect, you just can't guard the guy. I was kind of bummed to see him go to Seattle, you know, just with that particular offense. I just thought he was going to be limited, but, but, um, you know, so I mean, I have a I have a soft spot for the more finished, polished, pure wide receiver, which I would definitely give the edge to Cooper in this case. You know, of course, I'm never gonna shake you know 
turn away from the prototypical, you know, big guy either um, in Evans and the monster, the unguardable, you know, freak of nature kind of thing either. And, um, you know, what it really boiled down to for me is, is so much of these guys' future is dependent on the guy throwing them the football. And, I mean, take, you know, perfect example, look at, you know, between the, the lower leg injuries and the myriad of quarterbacks up in Buffalo, look at, you know, how how inconsistent Sammy Watkins has been in that capacity. I mean, there's a guy who could have easily blown everything, you know, he's done so far out of the water with any sort of inconsistent quarterback play. And, you know, so at the end of the day, it came down to which quarterback do I ultimately think is going to be the better quarterback and uh, and develop, you know, a better relationship ultimately. And there's already a more intimate relationship brewing in Tampa Bay right now. A lot of that's just purely because of lack of options, um, you know, it really is like Evans or Buffs right now um, in Tampa Bay, but you got to, you know, they're, I just think Jameis Winston, when I look at his progression so far and I look what Tampa's doing, I just see him as the better upside quarterback than a David Carr. I think Carr has come in and immediately shown us what he is capable of, but ultimately, we haven't seen a whole lot of growth from that. And I think that's a little frustrating so far for David Carr owners is because on one hand, we're tickled pink that the guy, you know, is actually producing at a very competent level in the NFL, which a lot of people have their doubts on, you know, to begin with. But at the same time, there just hasn't – we haven't seen that noticeable growth now going into, you know, his third season here. And whereas Winston seems to be taking a dramatic step up, um, maybe because his floor was a little lower uh, when he started and it's just a little more noticeable now. Um, I mean, that's certainly an argument. But ultimately, you know, Winston has – has the bigger upside for me, has a more intimate relationship at this point than, uh, you know, Amari does with Carr and, and the other myriad of wide receivers, you know, with Crabtree coming in that really seems to have softened his upside a little bit uh, early on. I think that could certainly change. But, um, you know, but I think one thing these guys have in common too is neither has really truly – exploded and gone on like an ultra dominant run either. So both of these wide receivers has shown, you know, many, many glimpses of that. And they certainly have their big games. No one's going to complain or ever not put these guys in their lineup. But I just think that pure dominance that you're looking for from these guys that you see in a, you know, DeAndre Hopkins or, you know, or an Antonio Brown or someone of that caliber where you just know you're going to get not just your 17 or 18, but your 25 and 30 every single week for long periods of time just hasn't been there either. So I think ultimately, Evans, there's just a little more red zone upside. Um, But uh, on pure 
on pure talent alone at the wide receiver position, I, I couldn't put him over Cooper. So I think the quarterback position really is just a slight enough upside, uh, X factor for me to give the edge to Evans. So there. It's been a while. Yeah, so I had great, to ramble no, for good. a while, you know. That's right, yeah. Now, uh, you know I'm used to it. Uh, no, that very good point there. And, and I think – I think ultimately if this was, like, if we're talking, like, if I'm making this decision during the redraft league, I think I would go Evans. But I just think the future is a little bit brighter for, for Cooper. I, I just see a little bit more in his skill set. I mean, both these players are obviously number one wide receivers on their respective teams. They both have youth. Cooper just turned 22 this summer. Evans turned 23 two weeks before the season. Uh, they both have young budding gunslingers. Whether you feel one way about a quarterback or not, they both have good guys. You know, yep. regardless of who's going to be better quarterback wise in the future, they both have a quarterback that they're going to be able to develop with together. And I think that's really important. Obviously, totally. your team gleams if you own either one of these guys or both of them. You're, you're probably the envy of all your league mates if you have both of them. But I think the major the major difference between these two potential. Hall of Famers is the four inches that Evans has on Cooper, which coincidentally I don't think is that much of a major advantage. Evans only has a <clears throat> excuse me, Evans only has a 37 inch vert, which is only the, the same four inches that and they have in height that only four inches more than Cooper's 33 inches. So it's not like he's just a jump out of the gym type of athlete like an Elshon Jeffrey or even like a Sterling Shepard type of guy. Cooper also runs the sub 540 and a sub seven second three cone. I'd hate to go back to to, to uh, combine stuff, but sub seven second seven three cone for wide receiver, I think, is huge for me. Evans does not do that, so that that's big for me. I think just in terms of Cooper having more short area quickness and long speed over Evans, I think that's that's going to help him develop. Uh, I also think because Evans is bigger, the bigger frame, he's more susceptible to injuries and taking big hits. Cooper also has a very talented running mate in Michael Crabtree who helps level out the defense. And I think that's going to, that's going to always help him. You know, Crabtree, we've seen, we saw him struggle for so many years and now he's in an offense with a quarterback that kind of understands his game and a nice young guy on the other side. That's only going to help, Cooper grow, and it's also not going to put too much pressure on Cooper to perform. And I think that's why I would dynasty purposes prefer Cooper moving forward over Evans just because I do think Evans is great great play in the short term, maybe here the next two or three years, but I think over the course of the careers I think Cooper's ultimately going to have a better career. Um, you know, Like I said, Cooper's got Crabtree. Evans really only has this little 5'11 kid from Clemson named Adam Humphreys and Vincent mm-hmm. Jackson, who can't stay healthy. Oakland also has, I believe, a more feared running attack at this point. They've been using all three of their running backs this year. Granted, that thing, that could change, but I think what they've been doing running the ball also helps their passing game. Doug Barton on the shelf again there in Tampa. All they have really is Charles Sims. Nobody else, I think, even got a carry last week for Tampa. Uh, and they also – Cooper also has a young tight end to develop end with him in Clive Walford. So I think in that opposed to, uh, you know, just, just Cameron Brait there in Tennessee. So I, I just think the situation is there set up for Cooper to have a, just a long, better career than Evans. Any rebuttal there, Dan? Uh, 
Um, well, I also didn't want to take your Homer pick away from me either. <laughs> so there, <laughs> there I is I that the aspect. Out of it pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did. You did to the untrained yeah. listener. Um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, again, it's, it's six one way, half dozen the other with these guys. I mean, I could see uh-huh. these guys, you know, both giving speeches in Canton, Mike Evans having a few more touchdowns with a few less receptions and, and Amari Cooper having a few <laughs> less touchdowns with a few more receptions, you know, I mean, it, it's, 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 uh, you know, it, it, you can having having competent complementary wide receivers certainly can help you. Also, having you know 16 targets a game can help you because there are no complementary receivers. You know, so it's um, it really just it, yeah. I mean, this is a true dilemma. You know, and and there is yeah. no winner, and there really is no loser. And they're really, you know, the only loser is if you don't own one of them, you know, is is the only loss in this situation. And uh, like you said, uh, the fact that they both get to develop which, uh, with who are clearly the future quarterbacks, like you said, reg- I like that argument, regardless of who ultimately has the higher upside at the quarterback position, both of these young guys are super, super competent and have made a clear case for them being you know, the rock or foundation of said franchise moving forward and how huge is that? That in itself right there, when you look at these two skill sets, no matter how you want to dice it up, that's where you want to be investing. I mean, you can – that's where you look at Sammy, you know, and it's like there is no answer there. Even a guy like Stefan Diggs who – Talent-wise, you know, if you would have caught that guy before he came out his uh, his last year, he was on everyone's top five wide receiver list talent-wise coming into that last season in Maryland, you know. But the, he got lost a little bit. Vikings got a good deal. I mean, the guy shows everything elite. Short area quickness, you know, tenacity. He's a little undersized. And now he's exploding with Sam Bradford a little bit. But, again, it's hard to get excited about that situation because what is the future there? You know, and now I'm going home around it, but it's another example. You know, it's like there – it's just really tough to gauge what that player is going to be able to do when you when you don't know the entire equation. Um, we know the entire equation on these guys, so the answer is very clear. And that's, you know, both of these guys are going to be studs for a long period of time. Well, and, you know, to further the quarterback argument, both their quarterbacks started week one, day one, whatever you want to say. They've taken their lumps. They, they've, you know, they've adjusted. They've gotten better. And you know the franchise is behind them. So it's not going to be a, a, a revolving door. You know, like we talked about John Brown with Martin earlier. And we, what is the – what is the future of the quarterback situation in Arizona? I mean, Paul right. is good for what he is, but we ju- we just don't know. You know, we just don't know. So, um, mm-hmm. mo- moving forward, Dan, a uh, couple a couple trades I wanted thought you could maybe shed some light on. A uh, uh, one that you pulled off in DFW thirty six a couple weeks ago, 
you gave up some pieces, uh, Devontae Adams, Joey Bosa, and Will Compton, but you got uh, a freak of nature in Daniil Hunter. Any, care, <laughs> care to elaborate? I think I think we just for preface this. I think we maybe did talk about this on the podcast, like the week or the week after it happened. And Nick Nick said it all when he said, "Well, I trust Burgundy, so I'm sure he'll explain it if, if we had if we had any questions." I, I just trust. I know. I think he said something like, "I know what Burgundy's doing." So, what what are your thoughts there? Well, he should. I'm six and zero with over a three hundred point scoring average through three weeks so far <laughs> in that league. Let's just throw that. Although I got Alley this week, battle of the six and zero. So, um, I mean, my team is a. I mean, I'm I'm trying to remain humble this year because I want that league more than any other league I'm in. That's been just a masterpiece that I've been building in that in that league, and I'm just set up now, me and Jay in particular, and there's a couple others that have some real contenders in there, but, um, you know, it is it's a nasty, nasty squad, and there were just a few little holes that I was, you know, trying to just iron out just kind of iron out those wrinkles and get a little more upside. And that was really that defensive end position. I mean, I love that I was able to get Vernon Olivier back, um, but I still viewed him as a solid defensive end too. Um, Someone I could start every single week, but definitely not someone I wanted to lead at that position um, in my starting lineups. And then the other one that just has been perennially disappointing is Corey Leguet or, I think I'm saying that right, out of San Diego. And, you know, tons of talent, lots of upside, lots of potential, but just has never really come into any sort of consistent fantasy scoring. And so, you know, I made it a point this year to draft some young defensive ends. Tim DG down in Arizona, I think, was a hell of a deal. Uh, We'll see how he develops. And then, of course, I nabbed Bosa, who I think does have some serious upside in the playmaking fantasy. Uh, But I just couldn't afford to wait. Um, I really felt like at this point I needed somebody, and I needed somebody to really upgrade. And, you know, being a Vikings fan, I've had my finger on the pulse of Daniil Hunter since the guy, you know, since last year when he, I mean, anyone who's seen this kid play truly, truly knows how special he could potentially be. We're talking about the best defensive line in football right now. And by a a fairly large margin, I mean, this is the line that essentially created 11, three turnovers and eight sacks on Cam Newton last week. And, and he is, he is in my opinion, not even arguably, he is the most dominant force on that defensive line, and he's only and he's still sharing snaps right now with you know um, Robeson and Everson Griffin. He's spelling both of them. Sometimes he's coming from the right, sometimes he's coming from the left, and I mean it doesn't matter. I mean what an incredible weapon that you know a mastermind in Zim Zimmer has at his disposal, just when. You know, Everson Griffin and Brian Robinson are wearing you down and coming at you. All of a sudden, you insert, you know, Julius Peppers 2.0, and and you got a tired, you got a tired, you know, left or right tackle, and all of a sudden this guy's coming at you. I mean, yeah, this guy's going to have 15 sacks this year in a part-time role, and I mean, it's scary to think what he could do, especially and, – and, I mean, we're even going to see Everson Griffin benefit from this, and we did last year. I mean, that guy's still a beast. 
you know, one of the top pass rushers in the league. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you just put these guys next to each other, he's in awe. So, I mean, I the people I, – I found one person willing – to deal Daniel Hunter. The others knew what they had. And I was prying and I was tugging and I was arguing and he wasn't going anywhere. So ultimately when I gave up both sides, I said, all right, I'm giving up some youth and upside, but it's not coming for a little while. Like I'm going to have to sit on this guy until the playoffs. And if, if I'm lucky, if not next year, Devonte Adams for me was Jordy Nelson insurance. To somebody else in that team, he's a nice young wide receiver that he that they could potentially flip or build off of or around. For me, he was nothing more than like a wide receiver seven, you know, that I was really just holding on to in case Jordan Nelson wasn't ready to go opening game. And when I knew that wasn't the case, you know, and Jordan Nelson, by the way, is my wide receiver four. Um, just throwing that out there. Um <laughs> You know, so anyway, um, and then I think the last piece was, um, what did you say it was? I forget now. Will Compton. Will Compton. Yeah, and Will Compton was just a nice, yeah, he had a nice couple of games early, so I saw the opportunity to sell him because he's not the answer in Washington. He's a nice stack guy right now, plug in the middle um, of that defense, but he's not special. Um, he's, He's a placeholder for the next guy, the next middle linebacker they draft in the next couple of years in the first couple of rounds. And so, I mean, I could be wrong on that. That's just my analysis of Will Compton. He has been, a, he was solid late last year, but again, Will was about a linebacker five for me. So they're all very expendable pieces for me without noticing. I mean, I get perfect back this week. Um, so, I mean, all those pieces for me were very expendable to go after a super high-end defensive end and kind of patch that weak spot I had in my lineup. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised I didn't get more flack because I think on paper it did look a little lopsided. Um, but I think that's only because people are still not aware of how special Daniel Hunter is. And I took advantage of that. Well, and I think there's always that that kind of little bit of a shock when you see a receiver get traded for a defensive player. Like, but we, you know, we've yeah. seen Adams struggle too. And yeah, he came out and scored a touchdown. And who, I can't blame you for pulling the trigger on him when his stock was certainly up. And I think as as time, even even now, two or three weeks after this trade, I I totally think you gave up nothing. You know, you gave up. You yep. have up a young wide receiver that you that you didn't need, like you said, Jordy Nelson Insurance, and yep. you weren't going to use Adams at all this year anyway, unless unless Jordy was to get hurt or wasn't going to be ready. So I don't really Correct. think you gave up a whole lot because Bosa is two years away, and it's not like you traded Bosa for a 33 year old pass rusher who's still who's still getting you know double digit sacks. Daniel Hunter, like you said, is still a rotational player who's probably yep. going to get double-digit sacks this year, and he's probably going to yep. with, they keep that thing together with Everson on the other side and, and Linville just killing in the middle. He's going to be a 12-sack guy annually. I mean, unless yep. you know, unless something else happens there, especially yep. with Barr. Yep. And, 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 and by the way, if I would have, you know, by saying he's the most beastly guy on that line, Linville Hungry, who I also own in that, 
league and is my, you know, rock star defensive tackle along with Cox um, of Philadelphia, which when they flipped his designation this offseason, I almost did a cartwheel. I was like, come on, this is yeah. too easy. You know, it was like, yeah. <laughs> especially for defensive tackle scoring in that league. You know, it was like most people yeah. in IDP leagues groaned and moaned, and I just did a cartwheel, you know. <laughs> so yeah. so having those two in my lineup, I mean, right now I think I'm getting darn near 18 to 20 from all three of those players a game through three weeks. So yeah. and if I get 18 nice. or 20 from two out of the three on a weekly basis, I mean, I'm I'm crushing my opponent almost every week with that scoring. So, yeah, definitely. Um, well, a, a trade that I made yesterday, we talked a little bit about this earlier. It was just from a DFW 16. So I got a quarterback last week. I traded a, a three picks and Colin Kaepernick to get Kirk Cousins because – this is only a one-quarterback start league, um, but it is best ball, and with 16 teams, it's pretty important to have two starting quarterbacks. You want to have that fallback option. So I had actually, for all intents and purposes, four starting quarterbacks after trading for Cousins because I do own Cody Kessler. Um, but uh, I also picked up Trevor Simeon for a dollar on waivers in July when there was a little oh, bit of camp awesome. around him. So. So yep. I flipped Simeon and a 2017 third for a 2017 first. This was offered to me, and I thought, well, I, you know, I need help in this league. I need running backs. I need young wide receivers. So why not have a couple first-round picks in 2017 with this class being nice and juicy? Uh, what are your thoughts there? I did give up a third and Simeon, but I got, I got two firsts to play with. You got two firsts. Well, you got one, yep. but now you have two. I got one, but okay. yeah, but now I got two, yeah. Where does that first project, you know? Where would you kind of eyeball that? Um, he, Just out of curiosity. He's two and, two and one. His, his, his okay. team is, you know, he's, he's in a weaker division. I am unfortunately in a freaking rock star division with Bill Latin, huh. uh, Nick, and, and Gary Bedette, who not only won DFW 36 two years ago, but got second last year. So I am in like I'm yep. in like the murderer's row division. So I have keep yep. I keep scoring all these points and not winning any games. So I I could potentially have a top top five pick. You know, and this is a 16 team. You know, league. So this could be the 16th or 15th yep. pick. Uh, but it, but it's still it's still nice to have those two early picks there. Yeah, for sure. Especially and and I mean when you're in when you're in that kind of league too. I mean you can. This, there's always an incredibly valuable rookie quarterback crop coming up. I mean, there's, it doesn't matter what year it is. It doesn't matter. The value is the same. It doesn't matter if it's Geno Smith or Jameis Winston, you know? And so, so, I mean, yeah, I think, I think ultimately that's good. I mean, I like, I like to move for both sides. Um, I like what I see out of Simeon. Um, he's got some growing to do. So I think short-term you're going to win this deal. If he develops under Elway and under, you know, under the Denver Bronco regime the way he could, um, you know, this could come back, you know, a couple years down the road and you could be like, eh, you know, maybe it would be nice to have that guy back. But that's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, I too, someone dropped him in 36, you know, just last week. And I was like, what the hell? 
you know, and like I think yeah. I picked him up like two seconds later. You know, I got Teddy on my I got Teddy on my bench or on my IR this year. Um, with old man Breeze doing most of the damage for me for the next couple of years, but it's like I'll I'll let him sit on my roster all year. I mean, I have no idea. I wasn't that impressed with Teddy even when he was healthy from a fantasy standpoint. So you know, for me that was a no brainer. So I like Simeon um, as a prospect for sure. But anytime you can get, I mean, anytime, even in a sixteen teamer, you know, anytime you can get a first round pick for at best a quarterback, an unknown upside quarterback too, I mean, that's a win, you know, third, third round pick aside, you know, I mean, that's just a lottery ticket and you do your homework, right. You increase your odds a little bit, but chances are that's going to be nothing, you know? So, you know, I think you did just fine in that capacity and I don't see any way I would have been able to turn down a first round pick you know, to get rid of something that other than a blow-up game this last one has thrown, you know, multi-interceptions in his first two games. And, uh, you know, he's got some te- beautiful technique, throwing motion, good fundamentally. I mean, where the hell did this guy come from, you know, kind of thing. And, yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, so – but there's so many question marks. That's a good trade at that point. That first round pick value alone in the off season, if you capitalize on it correctly, I guarantee you can get Simeon back if you really wanted him plus something else. Huh. You just got to let that yeah. first round pick marinate and let it get to uh-huh. its peak value, you know, in that off season. So, and you'll have a lot more flexibility with that than you will with, a dime a dozen quarterback too at this point. So, yeah. 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 I, I totally hear it. And I think the other argument in there is they spent the first round pick on Paxton Lynch. So yeah. Simeon yeah, maybe no came, out of, came out of nowhere, but yeah. they want this to be Paxton Lynch team. They spent the first round pick. He's going to get an opportunity. If you, we have, yeah. if, you know, Simeon looked awesome last week. Yeah. So if you, if you can capitalize on that, uh, yeah. I would certainly do it. He's not I I love the story, love that it came out of nowhere, but I just I mean if we if we think that he's gonna be their future quarterback, that means Lynch is the next Brock Osweiler. I mean so he's gonna sit right. on the bench for three or four years and I just don't see that happening there in Denver, so I think his, I mean, Simeon, I mean, is off to the greatest start you could, right? I mean he's got him undefeated. He's got an incredible defense. He's managing the game very well, and he just exploded. So, I mean, there's, you know, this league is funny. You know, we've seen great prospects come in and get buried behind a guy that just kind of, you know, look at Russell Wilson, you know. Um, and that's an area, you know, in Seattle when they traded for what's his nuts in Green Bay, you know. And, I mean, we were, we were, everybody was sold on that. And that guy just came in and took it and never looked back. So it does happen, but you're right. You can't bet on it because statistically speaking, it doesn't really happen ever. And there's going to be so much pressure to get, you know, uh, Lynch in there at some point that Simeon really does have to play pretty damn perfect, you know? So, yeah, if he, if he throws a pick, to to lose a game, we know we're going to be hearing the the, the 
the, yes. the murmurs Correct. for uh, for Lynch. That's going to be that. Simple. Correct. Um, it's going to start and that instantly. Is no, yeah. Yeah, and that is that is no slight against Bronco fans by any means. Um, so, no. well, thank you so much for joining us. Burgundy, uh, we appreciate you coming by, giving giving us some good dilemma and some trade analysis. We we always appreciate when you stop by, and hopefully we can have you on real soon. You bet. It's always a pleasure, Josh. Nice talking to you, bud. All right. Yep. Yep. Take Thanks. care, sir. All right. All right. So we have our odd man patiently waiting on the phone. Chuck, are you there? Josh, how's it going today? Good, good. Sorry to keep you a couple minutes there. Um, oh, that's okay. We we went early last week, I do, believe, didn't we? So you're making it up. Yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we uh, had some good segments without Nick, and hopefully we can bang out another one here when Nick will be back next week. Uh, I'm sure tell us all about what he saw there in Philadelphia. So uh, a bit of now, a he shocker. Didn't, he, didn't, I think I, he didn't call in his picks to you, did he, Josh? Oh, he didn't. No, I forgot. <laughs> I could have gotten I those. I thought he wrote them down. Yeah. No, I mean for this week. Oh, oh no, he didn't call. He's he needs okay. a week off, I think. Uh, <laughs> All right, good. Did, did you? No more questions. I think I, think, I didn't write down my picks because I thought you were doing that for some reason. So oh, I think yeah, I did yeah. quite well, though. No, I got them all down. I I keep track of them now every week ever since you shamed me into it that other week there. Um, <laughs> last week, uh, well, we were – let's put it this way. Nick had it wrapped up by Monday night because uh, he had eight wins and we both had seven and we all picked uh, we all picked New Orleans. So uh, you and I were both seven and nine and Nick was eight and eight, which, uh, you know, so Nick was the winner of last week actually. Well, there you go. So good job, Nick, if you're listening. But I'm pretty sure I took Minnesota. I took Philadelphia. The Cleveland one hurt me because I, I, I bet against Cleveland. I think that's where you guys gained one on me there. But uh, Yeah, um, I took Cle- and Oakland, uh, Oakland. Yeah, I think we all took Oakland, didn't we? Let me look at that no, if I, I can find it. Oh, you took Tennessee. I did not. Yes. <laughs> okay. There it was. There yeah, was. shame you on you, Josh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, but if that's what i got to do to make them win, I- I'm all about it. <laughs> that's right. You're going to have to pick against them again this week. Uh, we'll see. Uh, what What do you got for us Thursday night? All right, the good old Thursday night game. You know, whenever I think of Cincinnati playing on a Thursday night, I think of either – I think it was a couple years ago when uh, Giovanni Bernard had a monster game on a Thursday night. I believe it was down in Miami. But uh, nonetheless, um, uh, here we go. Miami is at Cincinnati, and they're playing in Cincinnati this time. And the Bengals are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Just for your uh, information, the over-under is 44-and-a-half on that game. Yeah, um, I, we I think we've discussed in detail how Andy Dalton does not look very good on prime time. I think this Miami defense might actually give them some fits on the short week. So I I just did you have seven and a half? Yeah, you get the extra hook there if you take Miami. Yeah, I think I'll take Miami. I I, I feel like Cincy could could win this game, and I feel like. But I feel like if they get like a fourteen point lead, thirteen point lead, they'll they'll hand it off to the running back and try to run the clock and Miami might sneak back in and make this one look good. So I'll take I'll take Miami with all with all those points. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you on this. Um, and and I may be playing the stupid uh, general public on this one, but getting seven and a half uh, against Andy Dalton, who doesn't play very well in the primetime games and on a short week. And uh, Miami has Adam Gase now this year. Um, I I, uh, I think they kind of found themselves last week, even though they, they you know, didn't beat Cleveland by the spread. I think they played much better. Um, and Cincinnati had a tough game with Denver last week. So um, I'm going to look for them to come down a little bit this week, especially on a short week, and I'll take the uh, the Dolphins. Okay. We have our first London game of the season. You know, you got to think that Jacksonville's the team the NFL will move to London because they play there every year, don't they? <laughs> it's because their fan what? their fan base sucks, and they got no problem with them losing a home game. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, uh, surprise, the Jacksonville Jaguars are two-and-a-half-point favorites at London, and I wonder if by now we start giving them a little bit of advantage since they play so often in London. Is that uh, is that developing into a kind of a home <laughs> field advantage for them? Uh, I, I guess if, if they don't really have one at home, they're they like I said, their fan base is not not uh, crazy as as they maybe should be, and the, you know their team's been yeah. bad for a long time, so they can't really blame them. But uh, man, gosh, we we I think we all like, guilted ourselves into taking Jacksonville last week because like they can't start zero three, right? Well, I think mm. they're going to start zero four. I I think their defense. Their defense can give the Colts some fits, um, but uh, I I don't see them winning this game. So I think I'll I'll take uh, I'll take the points. I'll take the Colts and the points in this one. It's essentially a, a neutral field, so I'll take the I'll take the Colts in this one if you're going to give me some points. Yeah, I guess my thought there was with Jacksonville going to London every year, do they get kind of used to doing it and get to get in some kind of routine? But I'm still going with with the Colts here. Um, they're could they're too good a team, um, I, and I just think that they will end up having a successful year. And you know, a successful year adds up to beating the teams in your division. So uh, you know, getting two and a half points is kind of a gift here. I will uh, go ahead and go with you and go with the Colts. The one thing that Baltimore, excuse me, um, Jacksonville could do is if they get Jalen Ramsey to lock down T.Y. Hilton, that could make things interesting in this game. If Jacksonville is going to have any chance to win, that's what they need to do. Uh, well, I'll tell you what's, what you you what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. I dropped Dwayne Allen this week, so he's going to get two touchdowns this game on my fantasy right. team. <laughs> All right. The first uh, Sunday early game is the Cleveland Browns uh, traveling to Washington to play the Redskins. And, and there's that hook again. Washington favored by seven and a half points. And the over-under is 46. Interesting thing on this one, this line just dropped down earlier today. It was eight, and now it's seven and a half, Josh. Huh. That's just too many points. I'll take the points in that one. What do you think? (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to agree with you again. We're going to have a whole board of clean sweeps here, I think, uh, Josh. Cleveland, 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 they're they're battlers. I don't 
see them getting blown out. I mean, they got surprised by the Eagles and the, and their defense when they lost 29 to 10 there. But otherwise, Hugh Jackson is a battling coach, and the Cleveland Browns are going to be a battling team. And I don't see them getting blown out here. I look forward to be a close game. Um, I wondered uh, about you, uh, how, Terrell Pryor. What's what's been the buzz as far as you've heard it? Are a lot of people adding him? Yeah, I think just because he's going to get the targets, we'll we'll mm-hmm. see what what changes when uh, when Josh Gordon comes back. But he's certainly an intriguing ad. They said he's going to get some more quarterback snaps too, so maybe he throws a touchdown pass or has a chance to rush the ball a few more times too. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's all extra bonus if he gets if he gets a couple plays at quarterback, isn't it? But uh, I I've seen him. Yeah. I think he's still available in my league. I just haven't pulled the trigger on him. All right, moving along. Um, the next game is the Buffalo Bills going to New England to take on the New England Patriots. <laughs> and the Patriots that we didn't see a line on this one for the longest time. I finally saw one this morning, so we'll have to use this one. New England is favored by five and a half points. Uh, you spoke many words of wisdom a few weeks ago, and nobody you said nobody ever went broke betting against New England at home less than a touchdown. So I, I, I think I'm going to stick with that statement there. Uh, doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Uh, I know this is a division game, but five and a half, that's it? Sure. Yeah, New England's going to win this game. I'll take New England minus the five and a half. Yeah, well, you know, when you think about it, this is a perfect time, you know, for a letdown for New England. I mean, you know, when when they heard Brady was going to be out for the first four games, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, if they go two and two in those four games, or, you know, three and three three and one would be a gift, you know. Um, so they've already won three games without without Tom Brady. So you think, well, maybe it's a letdown on on any other team, maybe, but on a Bill Belichick team. I don't think so. I think Buffalo, you know, we, we, we're helped a little bit here. If you want to bet, if you're betting on New England, which I am, uh, minus the five and a half, we're helped a little bit by the fact that uh, Buffalo looked so good last week. I mean, can you imagine what this line would be if the Bills would have just stunk it up against, uh, against Arizona last week or maybe, you know, when they lost a close one or something? Probably the line probably would have been seven or eight points. So now you got England giving a five and a half to Buffalo in that uh, wouldn't they love to go 4-0 and heading into Tom Brady. So we'll take New England. Okay. Seattle Seahawks are at New York against the Jets. The Seahawks, kind of a puzzling team this year. Uh, they are favored by two and a half on the road going all the way across country to play the Jets. Oh, yeah, this is – it's weird because these are two fairly – what I consider fairly decent teams. I know Fitzpatrick had 37 turnovers last week, but <laughs> this is kind of one of those weird games where, like, it's intriguing, but I also don't kind of care about it either. I mean, Seattle should win this, but we also – you know, what – we don't know what's up, what's going on with Russell Wilson in this game either, so that's – that this number could very well change down to a pickup. I think if Russell Wilson doesn't uh, doesn't go in this game, um, that's going to be huge. So I'll take the Jets right now because they're getting points at home, and I think I'd even take them if they were a pickup because I, I just I think their their defense will make Wilson run around, and if he's not in the game, 
that that could be really bad for their or a young rookie quarterback there in yeah. Savon Boykins. So and you I'll know what? Uh, I would I'm going to take the Jets also, but I'm all, I would almost rather see Russell Wilson in the game because if he can't run around as much as he can, it's going to make him a, you know a little bit of an immobile quarterback. So it'll give the Jets a, a little more chance in that respect because I think Boykin can run with the ball a lot too. Anyway. Um, one of the things you have to remember is that uh, the last week the Jets didn't give up that many points on their defense. It was it was all uh, Kansas City's defense scoring the points, so it wasn't that bad. Except for uh, except for Ryan Fitzpatrick, it wasn't it wasn't as bad a game as it looked for the Jets. As a kind of a side note on this, I texted my little brother the other last Sunday and I said, "Man," and this was at the time. This is before he'd thrown his last one. I said, "Fitzpatrick has, has thrown five interceptions this game," and he says, "Don't rub it in." Then I realized he was playing Fitzpatrick as his fantasy quarterback, and and I only said that because <laughs> because my team was playing against the Chiefs' defense and they scored 37 points against me and the Chiefs' defense, and that just killed me. <laughs> So it's really hard for me to pick the Jets this week, but I'm going to. I'm going to take the Jets plus the two and a half. I think they're a much better team at home. Their defense will play better. Seattle had one good game last week. I don't even know if that's the real Seattle team. So I'm going to take the Jets at, at uh, I almost said Shea Stadium at the at the Meadowlands. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that just based on, you know, on that multiple turnover game we saw, it's just important to not overreact week to week in terms of, you know, where you see lines. And I think, right. oh, I think that with the Jets being a dog at home, I think that is certainly a bit of an overreaction. Granted, Seattle's a good team, but I think feel like this should maybe be a little bit closer than, than the Jets getting two and a half points at home. So, Absolutely. What do you got next? All right. Uh, Carolina Panthers are in Atlanta to play the uh, Falcons. The Panthers are three-point favorites. So Panthers are favored on the road. I I think right now the biggest weakness for Carolina is their is their young rookie cornerbacks. I guess not what Ben Work Ben Wickery isn't a rookie, but uh he doesn't have a lot of experience uh against marquee players like a uh, like a Julio Jones. So who who's gonna cover Julio? We only saw him make one catch one ball anyway, but they didn't need him on Monday night either. So that's certainly something that comes into play there. So I, I think I'll take I'll take Matty Ice getting some points at home. I just don't think that Carolina defense is as as good as they are. You know, they got great linebackers on that defense, but they don't have a fearful pass rusher quite yet. So Ryan's going to have some time to stand in that pocket and pick them apart. And with rookie wide, rookie cornerbacks, that's not uh, not ever a good sign. Yeah, I'm kind of impressed with Atlanta. Uh, you know, when it comes down to I don't know who to pick in a game, I'll just take the hotter team. Carolina has not really impressed me this week. I mean, what, they had a close uh, – they, they lost at home to the Vikings, right? And then yep. they lost uh, – they had a – what was it? Uh, let's see. Uh, they beat the 49ers. And yep. uh, lost to the Broncos in Denver. They have uh, that. I'm I'm not as impressed with them as I am so far with Atlanta. So uh, take a home team, which is the hotter team, plus the points. Mm-hmm. All right, Detroit Lions at Chicago. Similar uh, situation to the game we just did. The Lions are favored by three on the road at Chicago. 
what you got any knowledge on recent history of Detroit at Chicago? <laughs> this, I mean, the Bear, the Bears are getting points here, but I, I feel like that's that's warranted. I think Matthew Stafford's going to pick this defense apart, so I, I'll take the I'll take the Lions, but uh, I, I don't know how they've done there recently. Well, you know they won. You know the Lions won in Chicago last year because the Bears lost almost every one of their home games last year, if not all of them. Um, I got I have to. Uh, I promised myself I wasn't going to take the Bears again for the rest of the year until they until they showed me something. <laughs> um, I think they're going to get get used to their new quarterback uh, Hoyer. Uh, I think they had one week last week to get used to him. I. I I like the fact that uh their new their new running back Howard is going to be running the ball and running hard. Um I think the Bears will stay within the 3 and I'd like to see a shootout cuz Matt Stafford is my quarterback this week in fantasy but uh you know what? I switched. I picked Detroit earlier today and I'm going to pick the Bears. I'm I'm going to take the Bears. That's the first one we differed on and he'll probably beat me there but I just I just have a feeling about the Bears here. Willing them to a victory, I like. Yeah, I am, and I should go to the other theory where I'd be happy either way, you know, but uh, I'm going to take the Bears. All right, Tennessee Titans are at Houston, and the Houston Texans are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Obviously, the big news coming down with uh, Houston losing J.J. Watt potentially for the season, Um, that's that's big, but you know we really haven't seen the JJ Watt that we are accustomed to the last couple, these first couple weeks of the season anyway. So I I, I don't think that's going to be a bigger a big factor right away here. Maybe it is as the season progresses and people adjust to the other players on that defense. But I I think they take care of business in Tennessee. So I'll leave those points. Uh huh. We're going to differ again. I just think you know I, honestly this is a, a toss up to me. But I looked at the fact that uh, Houston has played two teams with quarters, uh, quarterbacks who are pretty much pocket passers. And i got to get that up here in my computer, and I'll, uh, I can tell you more about that. But Houston, uh, last week, and, you know, maybe it was Bill Belichick and the, and the New England Patriots, but they played uh, against a quarterback that, that had some mobility in New England, and uh, defense couldn't handle it very well. I'm looking at Mariota, hoping he's going to run around a little bit and maybe keep it close. It's a divisional game also. So I'm going to go ahead and take Tennessee in this game, plus five and a half. And your Raiders are next, Josh. Oh. Oakland Raiders at Baltimore against the Ravens. The Ravens are favored by just over a field goal, three and a half. Ooh. I I don't like that hook. Are we actually going to see the Raiders win three games on the East Coast at at eleven Central uh, or excuse me, eleven Eastern time? I, in the first four weeks, that would be incredible. But. Uh, I think I gotta take them. I gotta take them. I know I, I know I willed them to victory last week by picking against them, uh, but I also picked Atlanta <laughs> a couple weeks ago. So, uh, I think they get this done. I think what they've got some things going on defensively that impressed me, and if their offense can execute, they 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 stay, they don't they they win this game. So I think they're gonna win this game. Not 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 to mention stay within the three and a half. So I'll take Oakland there. 
Yeah, I, you know, when I look at Baltimore, the Ravens, I just kind of think, eh, there's nothing I get excited about about their team, but they they just seem to find a way to win. I mean, look at the teams Baltimore has beaten so far, and tell me how impressive this is. They beat the Bills, the Browns, and the Jaguars. Uh, Oakland yeah. had a bad had a bad loss to Atlanta, but they they and they beat Tennessee and New Orleans, so that's you know nothing to crow about either. Um, when it comes down to it, I'm just I, I think about last year when the, when the Raiders got a big win on the road, and then the next week they had the same situation playing the early game, and they got beat by the Bears. I think that's the only game the Bears won at home. So two in a row on the road for the Raiders playing the early game, I think is going to be too much. So I'm going to I'm going to go with Baltimore for I think the first time this year, and I'm going to take the Ravens. Okay. We start the afternoon games now. Denver Broncos at Tampa Bay against the Bucks. Uh Denver's favored by three. Wow. I, how are they not favored by more points? Um, <laughs> it's in Tampa, right? In Tampa, so that's probably why. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't bet against Denver right now. Um, as much as I really like how Jameis Winston's developing, I was really confused by what that team – how did they lose that game at home last week against Case Keenum and the Rams, who haven't really done anything? Uh, I, I just don't know what to expect from them week to week. Maybe they're the maybe they're the new San Diego Chargers where they show up one week and disappear the next, but uh, I can't I can't bet against Denver right now. That that defense is going to challenge Winston both physically and mentally and I that's going to be it's going to be a long day for the young guy there I think. So I'll I'll take I'll take uh Denver and I'll, I think I'll even make it my lock of the week. How about that? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's hard to go against Denver. Uh I you know, I was all I was all set to, you know, Simeon first game on the road last week set for the Bengals and I think the Bengals actually led for you know much of that game. And I thought, oh, I was right. And then all of a sudden I see the final score, and the Broncos uh, won it, kind of won it going away. That really surprised me, and it shows that they can win on the road and uh, under some adversity. Now, the one thing, I'm going to take the Broncos in this game. The one, there's, there's one reason that I'm not going to, and that is the fact that I don't think Jamison, or Jameis Winston has progressed as far as a lot of people think he has. And that's just from that final play of the game last week when he – took the ball, you know, on fourth down. It was their last gasp. And he ran three or four yards past the line of scrimmage, and he was still faking like he was going to throw. And, and I thought, well, that guy, he doesn't, have, he doesn't have the awareness that some people think he has, and he has, he has a long ways to grow. So, you know, I, I'm going to take the Broncos in this game, like you, Josh, and uh, give three points. Okay. All right. Dallas and San Francisco. Dallas favored by three. A lot of three-point favorites on the road this week. Dallas favored by three at San Francisco. Well, I think we're going to see some movement on that line. Uh, some news breaking during the podcast. Apparently, Des Bryant has a hairline fracture in his knee. Wow. Con- conflicting reports where he hasn't been ruled officially ruled out for this Sunday, uh, and other people say he could be out three weeks. So uh, we might not see Des. I, 
if there's really a, a, a knee, something broken in his knee, I'm pretty sure he's probably not going to play this week. So you could probably safely take him out of your lineups and, you know, stay close to your computer if they put him back in Sunday Sunday afternoon. But uh, you could, I think you can look elsewhere right now. Um, I Still still a lot of points. Jeez. Uh, NFL doesn't make sense a lot of times. I mean, how does Trevor Simeon go to San Diego and throw four, excuse me, Cincinnati and throw four touchdown passes? And how does Jeremy Hill rush for almost 100 yards against that vaunted Denver defense and two touchdowns? It just doesn't make sense some week, fantasy-wise and betting-wise. So why not? Give me San Francisco at home. Plus three. No, granted, granted, I maybe know more than the betters know right now because of the Des Bryant injury, but plus three right yeah. now, I'll, I'll take that. Well, I just checked my computer to see if the line had changed uh, on that news, and and it's still at Dallas minus three. So um, if there is anything to it, it hasn't affected the uh, the betting much on the game yet. Um, I just had this weird feeling that uh, it's kind of a a take-a-breath game for Dallas. They've had three tough ones. They lost by one at home to the Giants, then took care of the Redskins and took care of the Bears at home last week. And this is one of those games where they just go, and they go on the road and kind of lay an egg, uh, don't play very well. San Francisco has everything to play for. Chip Kelly, uh, like the way he's, uh, except, except for last week, I like the way he's motivating the team. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Niners at home to uh, beat the Cowboys. There's always a lot of eyes on you when you play the Cowboys. It's kind of like in uh, in college when you play Notre Dame, everybody's watching. And when you play the Cowboys, everybody's watching. Look for a good effort out of the uh, San Francisco 49ers this week. Okay. New Orleans Saints are on the road. A couple of teams that show up one week and then don't the next. Uh, San Diego is favored by three and a half over the Saints in San Diego. I think I jokingly said to one of my friends on Monday morning that uh, looking at the Saints-Falcons game on Monday night, I said, there could be 80 points scored in that game. And there, you know what? There almost was. <laughs> I oh, kind of yeah. feel that same way about about uh, about this matchup. Uh, 53.5 right now is the over-under I'm looking at. Breeze is already thrown for 1,000 yards in three games. Um I just don't think any team has a stout enough running game to, if they get a lead, to just lay lay on their running game. So we're going to see balls all over the place. Um, the Saints are just not a good team on the road, but I hate picking San Diego games, so why not? I'll take the Saints to stay within the three and a half. <laughs> the trouble with the Saints is they have to score a touchdown every time every time they get the ball. Because their defense can't stop anybody. I mean, it's the same thing as last week. And by the way, they were over the total at halftime last week in that Saints and Falcons <laughs> game. And I think what stopped a lot of people from betting the overs was the fact that they had such a low-scoring game with the Giants the week before the the uh, Saints did. Um, I uh, here's here's what happened with the Saints last year when they played games uh, on the road on turf. The Saints lost to Arizona, Carolina, Philadelphia, Washington, and Houston by av- by averages of 18 points each game. They're not good on the road. Now, in their favor, they did go to Tampa later in the season and win a game at Tampa Bay uh, on natural turf. But um, it's it's not a fast track for them, and it's kind of like – 
if you had a quarter horse and then you ran him in a long distance race on turf, that's about the, what the Saints are. So I'm looking to, for them to be slowed down a little bit. I'll look for San Diego to score some points. They had a heartbreaking loss last week in Indianapolis. I don't look for them to make as many mistakes as they did. And I will take San Diego, minus three and a half. All right, time for the Rams. Right. The Jeff Fisher show is in Sorry, Arizona. What? Go ahead. Sorry, I just want to say one more thing about that Chargers-Saints game. I will not right. be surprised if the Chargers win that by 20 points or they lose by a field goal. I just, it's just, you just never know what's happening. Yeah. So, I know. It's, it's, it's a crapshoot betting on San Diego. At least with New Orleans, you know that they're going to put up a lot of points. Maybe, you know, the thing to do would be to bet the overs here at 53-and-a-half. But uh, with New Orleans' performance on natural turf, I cannot do that. So, um, yeah, I'm going to stay with San Diego. All right. Okay. The L.A. Rams are on the road again at Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals favored by eight points. Oh, so what Arizona team is going to show up in this game? That's that's geez, that's just oh, it doesn't. It seems too easy to take Arizona in this one. We know that Jeff Fisher gets up a divisional opponents eight points. I just I I don't know what Arizona is. I mean, maybe maybe they do win this by forty points because that's their every other week thing. But uh, this is too tough of, too tough of a matchup. I think I think the Rams defense is. It's still it's still good, and we saw Gurley kind of emerge last week, and I think they're going to be able to run the ball. And I just not impressed with Carson Palmer so far. So uh, I'll I'll take I'll take uh, the Rams in those points. Yeah, I was burned once by that Jeff Fisher theory when they went to the 49ers and lost 28 to nothing. But the 49ers are always great on their first game of the season anyway at home on, on national television. So I'm kind of writing that one off. Uh, you know, one thing Jeff Fisher has going for him in this game is they do have a really good defense. I like I like Alec Ogletree and the rest of the guys. They they they, they seem to sense that they're the, – that the weight is on them, that they're going to have to win games for the Rams because the offense isn't clicking right now, although they did okay last week. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for Fisher to keep this one close and, and, uh, and come close to winning. But, you know, a lot of times picking against the Cardinals at home it makes uh, a lot of people look like monkeys. But I'm still going to take the Rams plus eight in that game. Okay. Did I say St. Louis? I, think, I don't think so. I feel like I saw. If you did, okay. it went right over my like head. I... So, all right, cool. <laughs> all right, Sunday night game: the Kansas City Chiefs are on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh favored by five and a half. Wow. Um, I would like to think Kansas City watched that game film last week and saw what Philadelphia did to slow down Antonio Brown. Not that that's easy. He still got his 7 for 70, but uh, I think Kansas City makes enough plays to keep this one close. I, I Every time I feel confident in Kansas City, I feel like they let me down. Even when they were winning all those games in a row last year, I just couldn't get there. So, But I, I'm going to go ahead and take them. I, think, I just think they can hang in this game. Pittsburgh's defense is not – they're not. They're not like even in the top half of the league. I don't think. I mean, I'm not talking about that from a technical standpoint. Yards given up points. I just don't think they're in. The, they're quite there. They have a couple really good linebackers. I think 
Lawrence Timmons is going to be out in this game, so that's huge for them. Ryan Shazier always seems to get hurt. They do get Le'Veon Bell back, so I feel like that. But I feel like that could actually hurt them as they might try to focus on him a little bit too much to get him going. So I, I don't know how they're going to get it done, but I think Kansas City hangs in this game. Yeah, well, um, this is an interesting game for me because I have Spencer Ware and Le'Veon Bell playing both in this game, so I'm going to be rooting for offense in this game. One of the things I looked at in this game was the fact that, well, Pitt, you know, Mike Tomlin, he he's a great motivator, and he's not going to let Pittsburgh play the same kind of game that they did last week against Philadelphia. And uh, Philadelphia does have a great defense, but well, the, the, the overriding factor in this game for me was that Kansas City – beat the Jets 24 to 3 last week and you know like I mentioned when we did the Jets game uh they only had one offensive touchdown last week the other two were scored by the uh, the defense and of course they had three points on a field goal um so you know it, it they're kind of overinflated you know they the public looks at that score and if they don't look deeper into it and see that uh, the other team kept throwing interceptions and that was at Arrowhead too now the Steelers come home. Um, I'm going to take Pittsburgh minus five and a half on this game. Okay, another one we differ on. Dun 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 dun. Monday Night Football. New York Giants are going to be in Minnesota at the brand new uh, brand new field there to play the Vikings. The Vikings are favored in this one by four and a half points. Okay, uh, Lawrence Timmons is going to play in that game. Uh, just, just, just to clear that up. Okay. I, don't, I can't bet against the Vikings. I can't bet against the Vikings defense. I just four only. You said four and a half, right? Uh, right. That, that's nothing. They're gonna, they're gonna take care of business. I think uh, the Giants are gonna be doing a running back by committee with. Uh, with a bunch of inexperienced guys, I know, I know Odell Beckham's good. We know Sterling Shepard's been playing really good, but Eli can only get that ball out if he has time. And that, that, that Vikings defense, especially the front seven. I mean, Barr, Kendricks, Griffin, Hunter, Linville Joseph. I mean, they sacked Cam Newton eight times, and he's a mobile quarterback. How, how, how is? Eli not hitting the turf six times in this game, at least, right? I'll take the yeah, I think the, the yeah, I, I echo everything you say, Josh. I I didn't give the Vikings defense very much credit first part of the year, but I think they're they're kind of like the Rams defense um, because the and, and for and to a certain extent the the Patriots defense they look and say, you know what, our offense is having troubles. You know, when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, I think that's just made the defense better. They said, they said, you know what, we're going to have to win the game with defense. And you know, it's just an extra bonus that Sam Bradford came along, and he's starting to play pretty well. Um, so I, I was – words can't describe how impressed I am with the Vikings defense. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Vikings in this one, even though it's tough to, uh, to take more than a uh, – up to take uh, more than a three-point favorite on Monday night, um, but I'm going to take Minnesota minus four and a half on that one along with you. Okay, yeah. See Our how much we can agree when go. when Nick isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does that mean we just like to disagree with Nick? Uh, 
No, I don't know. I, I you know, I have no idea, but uh, we will. Uh, I'll look forward to hearing him again next week. Yeah, yeah we get, it got through in the with by by weeks of one less game to talk about. Uh, Philadelphia and um, Green Bay is on a bye this week, so um, more yeah. bye weeks to come. And we'll, we'll, well, here's we'll the great by. thing about Green Bay being on being on bye. I don't have to make a decision on on, on whether to play Eddie Lacy or not. How did you get in, into Eddie Lacy again this year? Wasn't he your burden last year and you just couldn't control yourself? Well, I had to keep two keepers, and I had nobody better than Lacy to keep. So I, I had to keep – I kept uh, Lacy and Le'Veon Bell. So I started out my draft with two running backs. Lacy's been doing okay. It's just that I'm, I'm expecting him any day to, to just be on a 50-50 split with Starks, which is almost true right now. <laughs> yeah. That's All crazy, right, but I do have Spencer Ware and I do have Levy on Bell, so I, I've had the fill-ins for the uh, for the bye week. All right, good news there. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chuck. We will talk to you next week. I'll look forward to it. Thanks, Josh. Everybody have a great weekend and uh, and good points. Yes, sir. All right, that was our odd man. This has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast big thanks to the fantasy typhoon for helping us out of course dan burgundy hines and chuck podeski as well being our odd man as always uh nick will return next week and i haven't given him any homework yet uh but i'll i'm sure i'll figure it out here in these next couple couple days so thank you for joining us this has been the dynasty pulse podcast hope you have a great fantasy week hopefully we helped you out in some capacity uh, always fun to have new and exciting people on the show like uh, like uh, the Typhoon. So uh, we appreciate everybody for listening. Thanks. Have a good weekend. <laughs>